Welcome to Comedy Features. I'm Brian Costello. I'm Jim DeSanto. I'm Katie, and we're joined by our favorite frequent flying cinematic expert guest screenwriter extraordinaire, Jimmy Costanzo. Oh, hi, guys. Happy hello, to be hello, here hello. Again. Welcome. Welcome back, sir. How thank have you, you been? Thank you. Good. Uh, I'm excited to be here, be part of the uh, the next evolution of Com Majors, right? I understand you guys have been pushing forward some new ideas. Leaner, so, meaner, streamier. <laughs> yes. We are the only podcast in the world that devotes an entire episode to ass sliding and then follows it up with a discussion on revisiting the representation of Malcolm X in America. Yeah, where that's, else do you look at that? Where Nobody else, else do you is find doing that? it. No, you can't get it anywhere it. else. Nope. I, guys, I, I do have to say also, shout out to your tenant episode. Uh, I was excited you guys decided to cover that one. Uh, one of my top movies of 2020, truly. It's good analysis. Uh, wait, Jim and Katie, is it true that you like had watched that movie only once, like the night before, and yeah. had the clarity and wherewithal to like dissect it the way that you guys did? I, I mean, we talked about it ad nauseum before the episode. <laughs> uh, like that's, there was a lot of like, so wait, what no, was what happened? That's like one of the only things I'm good at, Jimmy. Listen, that is a talent because even yeah. me, I love the movie, but like the first time I saw that, I was like, what did I just watch? I yeah. knew yeah, I had watched something process it right i knew i had watched something like mind-blowing but i didn't quite know what i had watched yeah. yet and did you see it in the like, theater i saw it in the theater yes and then i ended up watching it like four or five times yeah. so we were and, able to at least pause it here and there and yeah, just like yeah. think for a second yeah which was um, important there i believe there were bathroom breaks yeah yeah and, yeah and so multiple, it, it allowed yeah, your so. brain to catch up a little bit yeah, yeah. totally no that's that's the way to do it yeah, yeah. Uh, well, this week we're looking at one of the films. Just of one of time. the films with a capital the films, T. The uh, of films. all time, uh, Casablanca. But first, as always, we have to ask the most pressing question of every episode in a film where alcohol is so ever present. Mm -hmm. What is everybody drinking for this episode? Uh, an old fashioned with. The bourbon. The bourbon. That the Ferrari bourbon. asked to have with uh, Rick. All right. So besides, so apparently Humphrey Bogart's, oh, he was scotch. Never mind. Rick's drink of choice is bourbon, right? In the movie? They don't really say that, but he. Yeah. he that's implied. That's implied. implied. Everybody, yes. everybody else is drinking champagne. Um, so I have my champagne straight up. Doo -doo -doo. Lovely. It's also my aunt's 70th birthday, so I was toasting to her earlier. My godmom, Aunt Jerry. Happy birthday, Aunt Jerry. This is a French 75, which is a version of a champagne cocktail. We looked okay. up the recipe for the champagne cocktail. It is a hell of a lot of sugar. Um, I thought I would not be able to teach tomorrow morning. So this is a little less sugar. It's very delicious. Thank you, Michael DeSanto, commenter extraordinaire, for this yummy recipe. Wonderful, Jimmy. What do you have? Uh, oh, I've got my bourbon, guys. I've got I've got Booker's tonight, and I gotta oh. tell you, uh, it's this is 130 proof. So I'm just gonna tell you right Ooh. now, uh, if I get a little loopy by the end, feel free to kick me off the Zoom. I'm gonna like, I'm, I'm drinking it very slowly. You've got to put some water in there. Slowly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got. Listen, I'm stocked up. I'm ready to go. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. I'm not good at drinking slowly. You no. are if it's 130 proof. Oh, it forces you to drink slowly? <laughs> yes, it well, does. some people aren't. I never was. No, I mean, Jim makes me these cocktails, and he's like, where did that go? I'm like, I don't You I can't just throw things. back, you know, barrel-proof bourbon. It right. will burn right. a hole in your... Okay. It, you'll yeah. cough. I see. Okay. <laughs> All right. It's good. Wonderful. I rarely repeat from week to week, but I am, again, because it was so delicious, drinking Moat Mountain's mm. 20th anniversary double IPA because it, it was such a find mm -hmm. that I've been rationing them uh, for special events. And it, well, there, I was going to say, it feels appropriate for this movie as yeah. well. Again, very regal, the gold can, you know, like an Oscar. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right, it is time for the rundown. This was another movie that it was kind of hard to summarize in like five sentences, four sentences. So I, I do want to say after re-listening to last week's, yeah. I thought you did a great job. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> 
I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, this one's not as good. I'm just going <laughs> to. There are large. I feel like you put a lot of work yeah. into last week's. I didn't so. put as much work into this work. one. Um, and there are large parts of the plot that are just missing that I'm just going to allude to. All right. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. In it's 1942, and the Germans are occupying France. In French Morocco, an assortment of folks seek refuge and passage to worlds other than these. Rick Blaines is an American running a saloon that profits off of these folk, these desperate souls. He's going through the motions until his ex-lover re-enters his life with a husband she never mentioned, who is fleeing German persecution. Now, Rick ends up in a series of bizarre events, the gatekeeper to Ilsa and her husband's safe passage through Casablanca. Will his cold, jaded heart crack open again for her? Oh, very good. Love it. Oh, that was, Katie, that was great. Can I ask, how long does it take you to write these? Uh, That one was like two minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah. All the more impressive. Nice. Yeah. yeah. She needs to, be to fair, wait. Most of the time, it's not written. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Just- like you, Jim was coming in here to get on the Zoom, and I was like, I just need to go write the run. Yeah. So <laughs> just give she me a works minute. best under pressure. I do. I do. Yeah. It's just it's All a right. different style. The yeah. under pressure writing. It is. It yeah. is. All right. Uh, all right. Time for grade of the week. We grade the film A plus through F minus. Who would like to start with? grading this week i think let's let jimmy start because he doesn't have the reference point of the other films yes that's fair (laughs) so jimmy in your cinematic universe where does this movie fall Uh, well this is i mean this isn't this is an a for me um absolutely uh it's man I, i don't know guys i i saw this movie for the first time in high school like being the film nerd I was even back then I felt like compelled to watch it. And I remember even in high school guys, I, I, I enjoyed it, but then just kind of moving on. Like it was no like transcendent experience. Like I had been expecting, but, uh, but here's what happened, right? Like years later mm-hmm. in film school, I watched it in college as part of like a film analysis course. I think every, every film <laughs> program makes you watch this. Yeah. And I found that I had like remembered almost every scene very clearly. Like certain shots have been burned into my mind. Like every character was still fresh in my head. It was like, it had left this like indelible mark on me without my realizing it. And that's when like, I knew that like, oh yeah, this, this, this thing has some power, right? Like this is a movie kind of like what you were saying, Brian, like the the film, it's like a quintessential one, right? It has drama, romance, mystery, political intrigue, murder, betrayal, uh, all set in like an exotic location, right? It's like Mm -hmm. everything that has come to define why people go to the movies really in the first place. Um, Yet for me, like, as I was thinking about it and as I watched it now, like it, what stands out the most, uh, it's actually not really its story. I, Guys, I hope you don't find this sac- sacrilegious here, but I, the, the plot is actually kind of ridiculous in this movie. Oh, no, like, yeah, not, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not out. at all. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah. It, 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 nothing it, would ever play out this way, you no. know? Uh, well, well, there's actually, literally, like, just things made up to, to create drama. Oh, yeah, right, like, yes. when I tried to fit Rick ending up with the two passage papers, whatever they call them, right. transits, into the the summary, I was like, this this sounds ridiculous. Like, any way I include <laughs> this is yeah. ridiculous. It just Absolutely. is. And even, even the place, like, I don't actually feel like that's what Casablanca Ooh, is like. No, 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 I mean, this is, is totally like not. a Hollywood style, like fantasy yeah. world, really. I just look yeah. at it as a fantasy world, but it like paints it so well, guys. And like, ultimately to me, uh, it's the ca- the characters, like specifically like the relationships. Each speaking role is like so unique in this movie. It has such nuance. Um, even like the secondary and like tertiary characters, like they feel like they have the depth of most like modern protagonists of like movies nowadays uh the characters are so defined goals so clearly understood that like i don't know i empathize with pretty much everyone there which i think is an amazing accomplishment for a movie so uh i don't know i i that that's it for me that's that's a i mean right there right i'm Uh, gonna yeah after you were giving rad a (laughs) was it a b B? i think i gave it a i think i ended up with a b um uh, yeah this no this i i agree this is this is an a i still want to leave myself the a plus in case anything else shows up this year that just like knocks my socks off but i i agree with jimmy like this movie is an a um to watch it 80 years later sorry that's our dog um to watch it 80 years later and feel as moved by it as you are taking into account the historical context oh. like it it's remarkable. It's a remarkable film. Hey, Jim. 
I am giving it an A minus. Just because. Um <laughs> I I feel like I saw this movie when I was really young. Um Probably. It, it was one of those ones I feel like used to well, be on TV. I know stuff, for a right? fact we had it on VHS. Like we okay. had it like recorded from like Prism or something on VHS. And it was one of the movies that I probably we it was probably like first on like the VHS of like three movies we had recorded. And so like I would fast forward through it to get to whatever was next. Raiders which of could, Lost Ark. Yeah, it could have been that. But, but um yeah, so like seeing some of the scenes, like I recognize them and and but I don't think I've ever watched it beginning to end, like in one sitting and uh I, re I I did really enjoy it, but but again, like I I am always on this show. I'm the one that's like, if the plot doesn't make sense, I have a hard time with it. This movie less so because it's you know I think taking the context of like when it came out, um, I think I'm more okay with it just being a little ridiculous. Um, and the love story is ridiculous too, like. I, all 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 of it's sort of ridiculous but i i agree with jimmy like the side characters and everybody that has a moment to speak is sort of well fleshed out in a way that lots of writers and directors do not give that much attention or thought to in this day and age we have to again acknowledge that this movie started as a play yeah and so much so that there are moments where they are giving you sort of like and it's almost like an exposition on like Casablanca and like what um what this place is where they're visiting each table in Rick's bar and you're kind of hearing the conversations just to kind of like soak it in and me I'm conditioned to be like well that's going to come up later that might come up later yeah. that might come up and no it doesn't it's just, it's literally there so you learn you are like soaking in Rick's bar and feeling like mm -hmm what the conversations are are that are happening there yeah. um yeah and so that that is really refreshing in this day and age um it probably wouldn't happen in this day and age right 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 yeah it's a, so, it's a great movie it, it is i am going to give it an a plus mm -hmm. i think it is well, you'll be hard pressed to obviously to ever give anything to give many films probably in a year an a plus it, to me, having just recently watched Citizen Kane as well, I think it is, I'd actually pick it over Citizen Kane. Mm -hmm. um, yep. So that's how, that's how good I think it is. I, I think it is immensely rewatchable. I think the, that it is, to me, more influential on filmmaking than Citizen Kane was I think that there are archetypes of almost every movie we've ever watched on this show takes something that was probably influenced in some way, as Jimmy says, because every film student since it's come out has basically studied it. So I think yeah. whether it's purposeful or just subconsciously, they utilize an element of that movie. And it also, I think, allowed film to be a different medium in the sense that what Jim was saying, like a lot of times in movies, sometimes there's plot points that you just have to roll with in movies that you would never roll with in a book that you would never roll with. I think in a TV or long form show method, like you just would say, no, that's too big of a plot hole. I, I can't deal with it. And in an hour and 40 minutes, you can kind of get away with that. If you create if and this is a big if, right, if you create characters that people love and yeah, you need to deliver on other aspects you have pretty to deliver big on other yeah. aspects and you're going to be and you're going to be willing to forgive so much. And I think this film helps yeah. establish that idea. You are willing to roll with so much because they deliver on the characters in ways that even though we're none of us were alive even our parents weren't alive my dad was when it, you're but how old Probably. my dad was 10 when this movie came okay out. 
none of us. So this is a world apart yeah. and it's still relevant. Yeah. And that's, I don't know many movies you can do that. So A plus for me. I have a silly question for the teachers um, and film buffs among us. Uh, <clears throat> one of our commenters was pointing out that the literal translation of this city in Morocco is White House. Uh, any connection to 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 the the president's home in our country? Well, was it funny. supposed to be a Casablanca for our our political leader? No. Well, if you look into that honestly, there is an interpretation that people took from that, which I don't think is true. But a lot of people said that um, Rick was supposed to be a substitute for FDR in the sense that at the beginning he's being neutral, but by the end he's turned. No. But I think that's like one of those things where people go over. But it really Casablanca from, is a, is an no, actual Rick place. Is, it's an actual place. Yeah. What it was, was that, um, the writers of the play yeah. were in a situation where they came across some expats and they were in this situation when they were in France and they went back and wanted to write a play about this place that was like Rick's bar in real life. And they mm -hmm. just wanted to pick a crossroads and they picked Casablanca. Cause so you're right telling me the beginning. our president is not supposed to be living in a version of French Morocco. That's not no, nothing. No, but that might There's be an no, interesting choice. No correlation to the name of the big house in the United States. I don't believe It's just so. the big white house. It doesn't. I mean, okay. people have interpreted this movie in a million different ways. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I can. But that's I the funny that thing. Really. Like, I don't. <laughs> this is not that kind of movie. I don't right. Think so either, this is Jim. not I a agree. movie that you're supposed to like interpret any other way than like than like what was presented. Yeah, and I think I, absolutely. This is not like a literary movie. This is like a a this this yeah, is a 1940s popcorn movie. Well, melodrama. Yeah. 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 Go, I don't know if I would say popcorn. I think there are some pretty heavy hitting ideas in this, especially in regards to the historical context of what's going on and and like nationalism, you know, personal interests versus yeah, that, yeah, of, yeah. that of your country. But it was made to make money. I think oh, Julie, sure. yeah. I, I get Jim's yeah. point there. This was made to be a crowd pleaser. And the fact that they were able to work in social commentary. I mean, yeah. if you compare it to like last week with One Night Miami, you know, there's obviously One Night Miami, it, there's the social commentary and that's tied. I mean, it's a piece of art and it's a film and it's great and everything like that, but there's a clear purpose in that movie. Yeah. This I mean, is meant to entertain and the fact that they can work in some of those things in a pretty good way, I thought was yeah. is is a testament to it as a film. And, and, yeah, and don't forget, this is the follow-up to the Maltese Falcon. Like the, a lot of the same actors yeah. were there, so they oh, were just wow. like trying to capitalize on that success because that was like a, a very like you know populist kind of film, and people were. I was a little that. upset that uh, Peter Lorre was so after <laughs> quickly. Uh, yeah, removed. yeah. After he was removed. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it reminded me. I forgot that one of the movies of my childhood was Arsenic and Old Lace. My parents loved Arsenic and Old Lace. And so this guy pops up in the movie and I'm like, how do I know this guy? Mm -hmm. like, he's like ingrained in my brain somewhere. And then I was reading through his list. I was like, oh my well, God, like, yes, let's, he's the guy. Let's talk about Rick because I think that's the best place to start. Do I have um, his last name right? Blaine's? Blaine. Blaine. Blaine? Right? It's a weird Rich, name, isn't it? Richard Blaine. Rick Blaine. It's it feels very it's, modern. Yeah. I, Blaine's. His yep. character, I don't think it was like, you know, he was... He this character doesn't really change throughout this movie, so I don't think it's like a a situation where he's like neutral and then because the way they talk about him is that he's always been this guy. Like he's he's and and Laszlo even tells him, You're trying to convince yourself of something that that doesn't exist. Ooh. Like that you are this person that that is not who you think you are. Oh. Like you were a freedom fighter, you you've always ended up on the on the underdog side, um, and that's not because of the money that you made there. It's because of your character, and yeah, so but, like, but, oh, go ahead, Jimmy. Sorry. Well, I was gonna say like that's you're right. I think that's how he changes. Is he like was in denial of all of that, right? And then right. he kind of comes to terms with it right know? speaking um, to the F fdr comparison though like well, this no, guy i agree i think that fdr thing is yeah just... okay can we 
And can the archetype. We, can we him. chat a minute, though, yes, about sorry. what happens with him at the end? Because one of our commenters was was bringing up the, the conclusion of this film. Um, he and Renault are very... Uh, to me, they're very diametrically opposed characters. And then right. they end up kind of getting grouped together at the end. Like, for a minute, you think that he's... Put, Rick's laying down the, the, you know, the line in the sand of like, I will not be like you. But then on their way out, it's like, this is the beginning of a beautiful relationship, right? Well, I, this is I the guy who's like exploiting. I mean, he's sleeping with women to right. get them out of the country, right? Like, right. like yeah. exploiting no, no, their I, needs. My interpretation of that is that Rick is willing to work with him to get what he needs to do. Like at that point, he's like, I'll give you a passport. I'll do all that stuff. And Renault is just kind of like, he is the ultimate sleazy part. Like now Rick is in a power position. So he'll attach himself there mm. because yeah. being with Rick will benefit that's, him. Do you know what I mean? That's still interesting though. That's, yeah, yeah, but that final scene, that is still interesting the way they play that out. That they're well, all also, just trying to do, they're all just trying to get by yeah. in the ways that they... You know, like Renault, he's going to basically acquiesce to the Germans when they're in power, and he's gonna right. And and then when he finds out that Rick is sort of in power over him, he kind of switches, or that Rick could help maybe but, win right. something. Yeah, you know, but so I mean, Renault that. had a moment where he could have taken that power away, right? Like right. where he well, made a decision to allow Rick. When that's what the analysis sort of stops is because in this movie, the the whole plot is absurd because the Germans and Renault all they have to do is kill Rick and kill. That's what I kept expecting. Lazo, and that's it doesn't make any expecting. sense that they don't. They right. kill right. other people haphazardly. Yeah, yeah. 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 That, when yeah. Laszlo, like when he gets that band playing, you know, over like oh, I don't yeah. know why they didn't just arrest him right there oh, or exactly. kill him. Yeah. Like there's there's no reason why they would have just like you know started to. But it, it plays up the melodrama. I think part of the issue with the ending as well is that for the longest time the ending was supposed to be Humphrey Bogart being arrested. Mm. You know that's what was going to happen. Well, that's what happened in the play and all that type mm. of stuff. So you wouldn't have that moment. Yeah, and nobody felt comfortable and i think the ending really came more from humphrey bogart and everybody wanting humphrey bogart to have a oh that's interesting a better well, ending because so that I think that's, that's what of, i was expecting brian yes, I, like that's where i but, thought it was going and to so, me that was the true love story was like he he was willing well no no but there is still a sacrifice there is still absolutely but, but wait, still a sacrifice. I, I, the one thing i, I they popped in my head is that he is sort of putting himself on the same level as Renault at the end mm -hmm. because he he doesn't think he's worthy of Elsa, right? Like, yeah. But that's part of the reason why he lets her go is because he thinks she's one, the kind of absurd plot point that like this could be changed the tides of the war because Laszlo's so important is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Um but also that like he doesn't deserve her, right? And so, like, he sees himself as just another Renault. Mm. Not, like, the... Like, it's his decision whether to throw in with him or not. Yeah. It's not like the, the writers being like, yeah, we're putting and, them on the same level. He's putting we, himself on that level. Yeah. Yeah. And do we think they actually will be, or does he realize that just it's beneficial to be like this whole time that they've been together yeah. to work with. No, they're, they're because, just opportunists. Both yeah. mm -hmm. so like they're, they're friends as far as, so far as like they'll, they'll benefit each other, you know? But, but I also think that like he, I mean, did he really plan out that ending? Like, it, you know, part of me <laughs> believes it's like, no, he, he expected to get arrested or killed. He kind of, right. Cause, cause like the fact that, he, that Strasser showed up there and he was able to kill Strasser right. and like yeah. they were able to like, right. Nobody cares. Like to me, that is a complete coincidence. Right. And then yeah. at that moment they're like, Oh, now we both have a way out. You know? Yeah. That's fair. Um, yeah. I just love yeah. the fact that like Rick's character here, it seems so influential to this art, this archetype of character going forward. Yeah. Like Spielberg specifically Oh, is obsessed oh, with this type of character. It's Bruce Willis, yes. right? No, it's it's Harrison it's Ford. Harrison it's, Ford. It's, it's Indiana it's Jones. Indiana it's Han Solo. It's like, also Bruce Willis. Yeah. 
Mm, it's Bruce yeah, Willis. Yeah, it, it is. But to like a, those. To a degree. In, but in you're talking. Yeah. We're talking about a 20 year difference there. No, I know. But just like thinking about who are your other leading men who have that same sort of like grizzled. Yeah. Dark and swirly strider. It is the. It is the. But it's not just their looks. It's this attitude of like. Agree. Yeah. Strider's a totally different thing. So don't. Well, he's also dark and swirly. He's he's gloomy, but he's He's, not. He's bruised, but he's not a bad man. These are bad men. Mm, Interesting. Like Han Solo and Indiana Jones are not great humans, right? But they have they have something in them that makes them likable. True. And they also have the capacity for change for good. True. Right. And which makes them Strider is always good. You're right. Like he is the, uh, he is the, the epitome. Yeah. He is the guy in Lord of the Rings. So, okay. Here's my question. I, I do feel that there's something about the, the time period of the setting of this movie and even Indiana Jones, which was, same time, Slightly right? Or, yeah, right around it. Certainly right around it. I, I just think it's such a great time period for film. And and I can't quite put my finger on it. I think the wardrobe, the setting, <laughs> it's like everything about it, though, makes it ideal. And maybe it's because there's no cell phones. There's no the technology so much. It allows for so much more about the character as opposed to maybe to the plot devices or things to that Mm -hmm. level. Well, yeah, that, and you know, that all makes sense, but it's also when you have bad guys, like the Nazis, more morals and everything are so black and white. (laughs) See what I did there? Um, I love it. That your characters don't need to make gigantic decisions in order for the audience to understand who they are. This is why it's going to be interesting as educators. This generation of kids is going to have a completely different range access to the idea of like pain, sorrow, political drama. Like our teenagers right now are seeing something that hasn't been seen in a few generations in regards to everything coming together, right? Economy, virus, (laughs) politics like the, it is like the great like i don't even know it's a horrible it's a test pot. of character it is so when we think about that correspondingly the art that's going to come out of this time period i think folks generations from now are going to say like wow when folks are in the midst of suffering yeah. they create amazing works well it's like very easy this is one of the moments like the early forties where you can say like, Oh, these people were on the wrong side of history. Like there are, there are moments in our history where like in, as, as our country, but specifically as humans, where like, you can say like there was such an evil or such a bad idea being propagated at that moment that there's a whole group of people that were wrong, were literally wrong and literally awful. That it's that like there's there's the other side as well where there's like opposition to it. And like, what did you guys make of like the this movie's portrayal of the Nazis too? Because ah. it's like it's interesting. It's it not is. kind of like it wouldn't be portrayed that way today, right? Because yep. that's in the middle of the war, and the, t- to me, they were not portrayed as like this manifestation well, of like the purest form of evil. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like but, the, they were the, soft. I they were yeah, softer you know, than like, I expected. From, but I think from just speaking from a historic perspective, the, the war is going on, but this is pre-U.S. involvement, mm-hmm. I believe, in the war at this time and everything where it's there. So I, I do in some ways think that that is historically understandable. There were still people like Vichy France and stuff like that who didn't view the Nazis the way we do today. You know, we're, we're working on World War II now in school. When we talk about it, I said we have the hindsight of, understanding just how horrific everything about the Nazis were. But if you go back and read, like when they were rising to power, you know, you have the anti-Semitic stuff was always there. But by the way, the anti-Semitic stuff was all over Europe. I mean, I could give you examples from all these other countries that were doing it. So I think there were a lot of people 
who were like, okay, they're coming in and this is what it's going to be. And there was an aristocratic element that I could see that they would, the person, the type of person in Strasser that they would send to North Africa, which was not really considered a hotbed after it was taken over, would be somebody who would be kind of almost laughable, right? Like well, they're kind of like kind of taking them seriously, but yeah. it's not like, the Schindler's it List. Seemed, right. It seems like this was the like romancing the people stage where it was like, it, well, right? Like, yes. you're not seeing the pure evil. <laughs> it's just like, we want you to like us. Right. And also our <laughs> setting, our setting here is like the outer reach Rim. of the, yeah, it's like, and so like, that's a great point, Brian. Like if this movie made me think of Star Wars almost more than any other movie that we've watched specifically because Casablanca is most icely like this is Tatooine like it is on the edge mm -hmm. of like everything else that's going on where everything is blurred it's not it's gray and like you have like honestly when mm -hmm. because Rick is such the influence for Han Solo and then you have like like someone like Renault is is borderline like Jabba-esque right like he is like almost like a mob boss of of this town and, and they're just kind of, or maybe Ferrari is more of that character, but like the idea that all the <laughs> clearly all the writers and directors that we grew up on in the, in the seventies and eighties and nineties were so influenced by this movie. Mm. Like the, the cantina on Tatooine has the same arches, like has the same lighting, like the feeling of like the, the band playing when you come in and it being such a worldly place where there's different languages being spoken, there's different cultures kind of clashing up against each other. Um, yeah, like I, I couldn't shake that feeling. This whole movie was like everything that I grew up liking was taken from this movie. Mm -hmm. And it's a Western too. It has it's like a, a yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I find so intriguing about this movie? And to me, this is always what makes the best movies. And it, it's like the original Star Wars in some way, which is. In your mind, you can imagine all these adventures yes. that had happened before or after. And Indiana Jones was this, literally the same way. Like you, you wanted more of it. Like, oh, man, what was Rick doing before? I could imagine like stories where they could have done him in the um, he's running, Civil running War arms to yeah, yeah, running yeah. Guns. but you yeah. can all this stuff and you but you can envision all these secondary characters. You're just sitting mm -hmm. there and yeah. if you weren't, it would make such a great series. And then just like could the Rick Sam it. story, right? Like, I yeah. want to know more about yeah. them. I like loved that relationship oh. again, which was to me for 1942 yep. in a very insanely segregated society. That's a pretty crazy relationship to mm -hmm. a to have on screen when you think about. I agree. The perception I, of America I had a lot of dimension. Yeah, yeah, yep. absolutely. The uh the yeah the I mean he was sort of selling him off to Ferrari in the end but and just abandoning but he was also getting he was a lot trying, of money he was trying uh, so, to take care of him yeah I mean I because if, if you work under the premise that you were saying Jim that he thought he was going to die he's trying to do make sure that Sam's taken care of sure right, that right. Sam I mean, is taking he care was of giving him a, a lot of money Fair. out of that, that, that yeah that situation yep now, I, what I, about Elsa can we talk about Elsa oh, because. Elsa. I, I, I will say mm. this. If you watch a lot of films from this time period, I do think that her character does fall in line with the perception of a Hollywood actress and star of this time period was going to do. Yeah. I don't think it would match up with what our our modern interpretation of what a, a leading lady would have an expectation to play. But for the time period, I think Ingrid I Bergman does a great job with what her expectations well, and the writers and i have to point out that the the writers of this play were male and female the person who told warner brothers you've got to buy this before they even put it on the stage was a woman um and so there were women who were integral in the the creation of this of this film of this story um i think ilsa's a strong character especially looking at 1940s portrayals of women um, she's not a damsel in distress. 
right? Like she, in many ways, orchestrates, you know, her her story, right? Like what's going on? Like she's making the choices about where she goes and right. what she does. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that those final scenes, I feel like you could look at it in a few different ways when she shows up at Rick's, you know, trying to get the papers. Um, you know, th- there there are some different perspectives there on the way she presents herself. You know, like, is she being honest in saying that she's loved him, you know, since they were in Paris and that just out of obligation she went with Laszlo? Um, or is Laszlo really the love of her life and she knows that Rick was just like a little flash in the pan and she's playing him so that she can get out of Casablanca with Laszlo? Like, you know, there, I think you can read that a few different ways. I don't know if there is one set interpretation mm-hmm. of that. Um, so I think she's a complicated character and yeah, not, not what we're used to seeing in movies. I mean, we're talking about 1940, like take this through to 1980. And I feel like she's still a pretty dominant character in, in this story. Yeah. Well, Jimmy, you brought up Maltese Falcon because I even think like, I like, her performance more than the performances in the Maltese Falcon, you know, around Mm -hmm. if 40s, you get the noir movies. It was always kind of the femme fatales. Right. But she there is a nuance to this. Absolutely. That I think is can be lost. And if you fall into the just the sappy love story part, Mm -hmm. her role can be is the linchpin here, because if, if she's not really good, that's like when we're, Jim was bringing about like everything else about this has to be really good or the plot mm-hmm. is so ridiculous. In particular, her part in this love triangle could be really absurd. Yeah. But her ability to play it and 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 draw you to it. And first of all, the way she shoot, shoot they shoot her and she's brilliant and all that stuff plays into mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But, you know, what is your thought about? her casting and and what she brought in comparison to Bogart's performance. I mean, I I do listen, I I do think she was, uh, yeah, like you said, a a very nuanced character. And I think the fact that she was like, you know, done up in that classic Hollywood beauty style, I think it is relevant to the story because like, you know, they have to justify this idea that like, you know, it was like you were saying, Katie, this flash in the pan romance. He's been hung up on her ever since. I guess, are we meant to believe like his whole like demeanor uh as a grump is like due to this failed relationship you know so. um and so like to some degree right not completely yeah, but right. i right, think right. so i think sam gives us that lens well i think the way that sam responds to her when she walks in like she he basically yeah. says like you ruined him <laughs> like well, I mean, in a certain way because you do i mean we don't get a great understanding of timeline here but my assumption was that like the running guns and not being able to go back to the U.S. happened before her. It would have. So when this yeah. when the Spanish Civil War would have happened, my and you don't do that stuff without. Yeah, he would have done that and then gone to France. I think then mm-hmm. meets her. So I think he was always kind of a rogue. But yeah. the idea was that she was bringing out more of the better elements of him, and then which is interesting. Down. I think if it's that kind of Leia Han situation which is funny yes exactly Uh and and it also a nuanced character i think in the in the original star wars but the the idea that she you know for the 1940s is having a and basically a relationship a sexual relationship with two different men in this movie and is not portrayed as like a harlot or someone that should be shamed or someone that should be is probably a pretty big deal. And even just, you know, as Jimmy was saying, the way they dress her, like she's dressed in very powerful clothing. Oh, yeah. Like she is not portrayed in any sort of like a housewifey kind of way Ooh. or even in like, you know, the the vacation ball gowns, you know, the like the cruise wear. Like she's from Europe. She's in some like she's smart, <laughs> tailored, you know, jacket sort of numbers. Like she looks, she's a strong woman. And then Rick's comment to her at the end that basically like Laszlo's not going to be Laszlo without you. Like, not just are you his muse, but like no, at all. You're right. He can't so do what he does without you. I um, think this ca- this character 
I mean, to give you an idea of its influence still, we all know how I love Mission Impossible. That whole Ilsa character that becomes one of the major characters when Chris McQuarrie takes over is her. They named well, her dude. for her. They found Rebecca Ferguson and they said when she walked in, that's Ilsa from and they changed the name of the character. They changed the character. That well, that's, like, affects screenwriters still to this day, I think, that people look Last for Crusade. something. Yeah. Last Crusade has a character Ilsa. named Ilsa in a love yeah. triangle with Indiana Jones and right, in the, in the... Senior Jones and <laughs> throwing the Nazis on top of it. <laughs> the, yeah, I mean, I, go ahead, Jimmy. No, I was just going to say, like, to, to Katie's point there, yeah, I think, like, when he, when Rick says that, like, he kind of, you know, gives you know, gives up, quote unquote, Ilsa, you know, for the sake of like allowing uh, Laszlo to just continue on because he sees himself in Laszlo like, oh, yeah, I, you know, that fighting spirit. Laszlo is who we need. And I am like him. I went to pieces without her. That would happen to him. I think that's like he's just kind of like going from his projecting from himself, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always kind of saw it as as that. Um, I don't know. I, I You know, right. It, it, it makes sense. When you say it, well, no, it doesn't make much sense because the next <laughs> level you think about sense, is like, right? is like, who is? Because you don't get a great sense for what Laszlo is doing that is so subversive to the war effort. Why I'm, is he so important? We don't right. we just have to well, take you see, that you see is, his, right? you see his capacity for inspiring because yeah. he inspires the bar to sing. But most I, people during that time period would never have been able to really see him. That's the thing. It's not like he could be on the internet inspiring people. No, but, but, okay. that, but there's so Rick no, no, but I'm there are like, details no. about yeah. what he what he was doing in in the war. Right. Like we, we get that he is basically an underground. Well, no, we know of, that he knows. That, right? Yeah. And that he knows he, he's part of the resistance. But yeah. I feel he's been in a he was in a concentration camp for X amount of time. How important to the resistance can he be if he was not part of the resistance? I I, this is he's like an influential figure. The fact that now he has survived the concentration camp and reemerges. This is is, right, but we know that it's not important. Well, important is very uh, subjective, right? right? So if it provides the people with motivation you know with spirit to say like no so i just recently read the nightingale um which is a phenomenal novel that i'm years behind on reading um but it it is all about the nazi occupation of france yeah and it's a piece of history that i said to jim like I've learned about this, right? Like I've learned the historical facts of the Nazi occupation of France without ever thinking about what that was like on a personal level, like what it was like for soldiers to move into your town and how that all played out, right? The practicalities of that. And so central to that story, and that is a piece of historical fiction, like the the characters in that novel are based on on real uh, people in history. Part of that story is about the the resistance and the role that was played by the people who were creating the messaging, right? Like, like basically reaching out to all of these, you know, rural right. places of France and saying like there, there is, there is a a resistance, right? There is a group. None that of that need. is in this movie. I know that, but but, but, I just, I, but in the no. 1940s, folks would have more of that like context. I guess than what we I do, I do understand. I, I I get that to a certain extent. But we know how this all played out, right? Like, yeah, but it's 1942. They don't. Right, right. I guess you're right. There, th- I, this story I, would have been written I, before any of that. Yeah, I feel like enough is done again that you to to watch it that I'm okay with. I, I, because maybe because I understand what they're trying to set up. Right, they need this larger than life hero for Rick to be able to say, listen, she needs to go with him. And then like part of it too is my thought process is the way we consume film is so different now. I do partially wonder like you would just go to the theater and watch it. There was no movie. So it was made for in some cases one quick viewing or if you really loved it, you would go back a few times. So it's like, all right, this isn't we're now in an era where movies are two and a half hours long. 
Like we don't even blink an eye when a movie's to it. It's one of the reasons I love going back and watching old movies is you can easily do it in one sitting because they're like, we're going to tell a story and we're going to tell it in 90 minutes to a hundred minutes and we're out. Right. Um, and I, so I think Jim, I think both Jim and Katie are right. I think the idea that there certainly needs to be more explanation of it, but I, mm-hmm. I think again, this film by you love the people enough and what's going on that, I'm just kind of willing to say, okay, whatever reason, this Victor, Victor Lazo guy's a big deal. No, yeah. My it. only problem with that is that the 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 emotional climax of this film is built on that premise. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it was meant to be just that, that really that scene where he he gets the band going, right? That was supposed yeah, to be yeah. the moment that like saw, everybody, that the audience moment. and Rick is like, okay, he's a big deal. And, and maybe the film could have done a better job of like, playing up but even in, even in that moment the band refuses him and looks to rick to make the decision so like well, yes because th- for them rick is more of a big deal than which this is guy interesting is. It, it's true because you're right katie they keep playing on that idea like everyone's like oh i've heard of victor lazo but everybody's also like oh i've heard of everyone rick. knows rick sure right yeah but, See, you, I, I, but you've got folks coming from so like in casablanca Rick is the guy, but he's also not organizing a resistance. Mm. He's just making folks feel safe, right? And so people trust him because they come to his place and they feel safe and they don't feel safe outside of his space. And then this guy is going through all of the unsafe spaces and telling people there is hope. Yeah. And so they don't even know who he is, but they know his name. And so they don't know whether they can trust him, right? Like he is like a light in the distance that they're hoping is legit, but they don't know yet. But the fact that the Germans send folks for him tells us, the viewer, he is important, right? Now, why they didn't just kill him while he was in the concentration camp is a whole other story. Or well, right story. there in Casablanca. Yeah. Also just true. Walk up and shoot him. But, like they shot Strasser at the end. But maybe, or, and they again, killed, they killed like, Ugarte. Like you, that, it's 1942. <laughs> we're not at the height yet. And the movie comes out in 1942. The, the story was written before 1942. Yes. And, and it, so... Yeah. We're not to the point yet of like German soldiers just shooting folks in the street. That's into- not true. We see that happen. We, 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 again, oh, in this movie, Ugarte d- oh, is killed. True. They do kill. You him. do. You have. You have to yeah. listen. I, again, I think it it does help establish this idea that in a movie is you are willing to overlook certain things to just get the plot moving. Again, if it's a TV show or a book, you're just you're not going to buy into that because the the form of that media is yeah. different. Also, so Ugarte sh- shoots time. as well. He yeah. also has a weapon. Yeah. So it's not Not shooting. when they kill him. Yes, he does. Yeah, he but does. He's holding oh, a gun. Well, no, no, no. They kill him in, they kill him in prison. They bring him to prison. Oh, but he did oh, shoot oh, him. I'm so sorry. We, we right. now, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're I'm, right. I'm really intrigued by this because, I, I mean, Jimmy and I probably have watched this God knows how many times. But, you know, Jim and Katie have admitted that either only seeing parts of it or so this is in many ways your first view. I've never seen it. I mean, I have seen it now once. So this is a film that obviously is in the lexicon of everything. And you both obviously love it. Was there anything that surprised you upon viewing of it that you were like, wow, I I have a number one thing that Here's looking at you, kid, is said four fucking times. <laughs> they, it they is leaned, absurd. They leaned on it a little too much. It needed to be said twice. Yeah. <laughs> in the times. flashback. Maybe, maybe in the flashback <laughs> and in the and, and, and at, at the, the end. end. That's, in that's the, it. Because I, and when it happened in the flashback, I was like, oh, that makes sense because it had no weight. It didn't feel anything in that moment other than like, hey, it's cute and I love you. Because we're in Paris. And then at the end, it's going to carry so much more weight. Yes. But it's said two more times between then, and it ruins too, it. Too, too many times. Do, also, do you think you would notice that if it hadn't become such a big thing? Do you think no. that was well, just maybe noticeable? I don't know, because it's, it's a weird phrase. No, because it is I, a weird I would, phrase. N- yeah, but absolutely would not have been like paying attention for it if right. I didn't know it. Um, it also, weird? play it again, Sam. Never said. Never, Never said. said. Yeah. Is it weird how. 
quotable some of these lines have become. Because uh, uh, that's, that's, what, what uh, that's another this yeah. is like a Amazing. super quotable movie, but but it's it not seems constantly used, which is odd to me. The, it, here's the thing: I think this movie has very famous quotes, but it's not a quotable movie. How often are you saying any of these things well, to any people? Well, yeah, but you hear. But so again, well, as somebody who's never seen the movie, it's very, it's very contextual. Right? Yeah, I, yeah, 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 I yeah, had yeah. no idea that all of those quotes were from this film. So the, I mean, I I said that as we were watching. I was like, I had no idea that that all came from this movie. Yeah, so we'll always have Paris is probably the biggest one. I don't yes. know. This is the beautiful. Uh, this is the beginning of a beautiful relationship, friendship. friendship. Yep. Friendship. I didn't yeah. know that that was Casablanca. Up the usual suspect. The usual suspect. That's yeah, where I mean, the name comes I mean, from. Guys, this is even watching it this time because I hadn't seen it in a few years. Uh, I, I was I was like really um, impressed by how modern the dialogue was. Still. Yeah. I mean, even in comparison to even like the Maltese Falcon, like this one, like I don't know if it's because of the quotability factor, but like the the dialogue is so snappy and it just kind of, it's very functional, sparse, and I don't know, it just it really works, you know. It's and, very I, and even just the situation. Situations. I, I, the woman at the end who comes to Rick, who, you know, basically says, like, this guy, you know, made me sleep with him and and is promising me that we're going to get out of here. But I don't know whether I can trust him and I can't tell my husband what I did. Like, to me, I was shocked. Like, wow, like 1942. I wasn't expecting that to be a piece of this story. It felt very yeah. real. Very raw, you know. From what, yeah, from what I understand, Warner Brothers was very concerned about that, and then the earlier scene um, where it's kind of implied, we're not totally sure. Uh, Rick and Ilsa, you know, they get back together. Did they sleep together? And it's kind of implied that maybe they did. And oh, um, in Casablanca. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Remember, remember they kiss, and then it's like yes. cut to like an well, fact, Katie doesn't see later, these things. Wait, the shit she infers and does not infer wait, is, is not to in, be trusted. In his apartment, when Laszlo shows yes. up downstairs. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, I didn't pick up on that. No, not okay. when Laszlo no. shows up downstairs. Before, early when they kiss. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. Kiss. Sorry, not when she pulls the gun on him. All right. Um, it's did not kiss the same at all. No. <laughs> no, I know there's none of those meetings. things in the same scene. <laughs> I need to watch you have this the again. character name ready, so that's <laughs> a big you. plus for you. Thank you. Uh, all right. Before we go, uh, one big takeaway, one thing that you absolutely loved since we all were in the A range about the movie. Let's start with Jimmy. Jimmy, what's one thing, if you pick one thing about this movie that you love, what would it be? Uh, I mean, I, I personally, it's just it's Rick's Rick's bar in Gambling yeah. House. Like that place, it feels so alive. A little bit like what Jim you said about the. I never made the connection between the cantina, but like, it it has its own presence, you know. Um, yeah. And it just you feel like you kind of know everybody in there. Um, it's just I don't know. It's so colorful, so vibrant, and that's the thing that kind of sticks out to me the most of anything else in this movie. Mm-hmm. Katie. Um, I was going to say that too, but I'll change to my second thing. No, that's fine. Um, I was thinking about, you know, this idea of sacrifice in this movie, right? And that I think that the modern story that we are told is to do anything for love, right? Like do do anything to get the person that you want to be with. Um, There is no price too high, right? Like that's the end all be all is love. And I think that the messaging of this story um, is so beautiful and it reminds us of how many stories throughout history, you know, really show that the ultimate love is, is sacrifice of self, right? And, and I think that that's different than the story that we're told today, right? That sometimes... For the person you love the most, you deprive yourself of them, right? Like that, that sometimes is the thing that has to happen. I I think that's pretty cool. Jim. Um, I think it's, I think it's Rick himself, that character and kind of connecting the dots of like all the different, yeah, yeah. All the different characters. Uh, I was listening to unspooled the other day and they talked about how, that archetype is probably a a person that doesn't really exist, which I guess happens to a lot of archetypes, but it is sort of funny that it's like this really bad guy who does some bad things, but is still pretty good. And is pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, that that's a real person. 
Do you? I do. I, I, well, the I'm criminal those, with the heart of gold. I'm one of those people that <laughs> believes that most folks are pretty good. No, but, uh, but he's literally profiteering, like yes. war profiteering. Well, yeah. it's, it's, it's the basis of the film Hudson Hawk, the yeah. amazing Bruce Willis. <laughs> this isn't sure like, this isn't a guy that's down on his luck and, and yeah, like no, stealing I, to like feed his family. I still yeah. think that that's pretty legit. <clears throat> okay. I think you're going to find a lot of folks in like corporate America who you could compare that to where it's like you're making money off of stuff that's really not great, but you treat the people around you really well. No, that's not the same thing, but I don't want to go we'll, into that. All right, we'll go on for another right. time. Uh, I am going to pick the uh, just how much the cinematography in this movie, I feel, mm -hmm. impacts movies in a big... The, the fact that this is 1942 cinematography is kind of crazy mm -hmm. if you study film. The way they lit, which was a very European way, which was not in a lot of American cinema. Uh, and as somebody who just loves like beautiful films and the way they do it, the motion of the camera, all that stuff, which is commonplace today was not really commonplace back then. So I think it's one of the reasons that it's still accessible to people today, because it's not that even like Jimmy was saying, the Maltese Falcon, the Maltese Falcon very much has a feel of like the old way, which is like you were watching a play that they just happened to have a camera of. This felt like yeah, by the way, better, I think it felt less of a play than a lot of the play movies that we found recently. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's because there was a willingness to detach from the content of the the play and make choices to make it a film. But yeah, this but felt like a film it, film. But it no, but see, it still makes sense to me. Like when I, when I oh, they, read that, I was like, yep, that totally makes sense. Because when you think about setting you think about what what you actually limited, yep. see yeah it is very limited this mostly was shot on a soundstage in california um and that makes sense except for the little airport scene um yeah, yeah i mean most of it it would just be what's happening on stage right in that that one setting the bar because yeah, yeah, you've got the bar, you've got Rick's place and then you've basically got the airport just right? above yeah. the bar and that's it right <laughs> like, yeah all right, yep. so it's time to go to King of the Hill or Bottom of the Barrel. Is this better than One Night in Miami, which is our current King of the Hill? And I think we can eliminate this film is certainly not worse than Rad. No, so I don't Rad, think Rad remains in the bottom of the barrel. Um, Jimmy, have you seen One Night in Miami? No, I have seen neither of those. I'm sorry. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. <gasps> you haven't so seen Rad either. Oh my gosh! You've got to see both. Start with Jim. <laughs> You're gonna Jim, love it. Uh, is this better than One Night in Miami? Yes. Katie, is it better than One Night in Miami? Yeah. And I agree as well. So the new king of the hill is Casablanca, and Rad is still a steaming pile of BMX garbage. <laughs> uh, and it's time for five questions. You want answers? You want answers? I want the truth! Make some man, Mr. Lebowski. Champagne makes me very tipsy. <laughs> yeah, it's not the bubble. Not very, it's just choice. very quickly. I will bad. say this. This uh, film just reinforced the massive amount of alcohol consumption that used to be yeah. considered just normal. We've place, talked yeah. about this yeah. in yeah. the time of the pandemic of yeah. like, it makes so much sense that folks of that generation, of the greatest I'll generation, make, drank all the time. I'll make Brian all happy with a, a Tom Cruise quote from the great movie cocktail. Oh, Champagne. Yes. Perfume going in. Oh, trash Sewage going coming out. out. Watch out my students tomorrow you are in for it. Should watch cocktail. That's what I take yeah. away from that. All right, Jimmy, five questions. Here we go. Uh, Jimmy, are you, speaking of champagne, are you thumbs up or thumbs down on champagne? Uh, thumbs up. I, I like champagne. You know, champagne. It tastes yeah. delicious. Yeah, it yeah. Feels and and, and some of the some of the things you can you can mix with it and stuff. Uh, I mean, this is yummy. Yeah. I used to make a great champagne punch for New Year's mm. parties. Oh yeah. I didn't drink it. I don't remember but, that. Was there sherbet? No, he would freeze uh, the. Th you don't remember? I this? don't remember. Tell me. Oh, that's basically. Oh, I do remember. Such an insult. Big th no, I do remember now. Big I things of like soda, seven seven up. Was there? Remember it because of how much you had. 
Was there uh, sherbet in it? It was my question. No, there was no, no sherbet. No. <laughs> I want there to be no, sherbet. No, no, There was uh, frozen um, lemonade. orange juice orange and juice. lemonade. Yeah. Slushiness. Slushies. Uh, okay, here we go. <laughs> sherbet. Uh, Jimmy. I like some sherbet in my punch. Of course, one of your other favorite movies is the amazing L.A. Confidential. Oh, yes. And so I have this question for you. Would you rather live in the L.A. of L.A. Confidential or the Casablanca of Casablanca? <laughs> hmm. a, a lot, a lot to consider. I think the the, the weather is probably a wash, right? I mean, it's temp- both temp- close, temperate. Right? Yeah. Uh, I think I would have to choose the one without Nazis, though. Yes, um, agreed. So, well, no, <laughs> be, bees. People in yeah. Well, are you, nice Nazis. are you saying that there's no Nazis in L.A.? <laughs> well, they're not in power. Yeah, I mean, they're not in the, the world of that film. Uh, yeah, I just it's know, McCarthyism. Yeah, I think Jimmy well, could escape being noticed in uh, LA Con- Confidential LA. I don't I think like that's the purpose of this time. challenge. I, I feel like I'd have an easier time skating by because here's the thing, guys. In you know, in Casablanca, everybody, all these refugees, they were like these first world super rich. It's like the Mos Eisley Cantina, but for exclusively rich people. Yeah. Yeah. It was basically like the folks that could get out. It's like Mar Lago. They were refugees. Yeah, I would not. Hopefully, will be someday. I would not get along with that type, I don't think so. No, I'm happy with LA. All right, fill in the blank question. Here we go, Jimmy. Not that we're in favor of a reboot of this film uh but if they were going to remake casablanca what modern director would you love to see have their interpretation of this film uh oh man i think have you guys seen hugo by the way yes, yes. So good. Yeah. that's the first time i thought like you know scorsese has this love and understanding of old classic films um and you know that coupled with this noirish, this noirish kind of feel. I bet you he could pull it off. Maybe. Don't say that. I don't think Jim. I realized that that was Scorsese. You got. Yeah. You probably yeah, did because yeah. it's so different than his work. Yeah. Right, perfect. Uh, Jimmy, favorite question. What's your favorite Humphrey Bogart film? Uh, listen, as much as I love Casablanca, I think personally Maltese Falcon edges it out. Ah. It's just more my my vibe. You know, it's Humphrey Bogart being Humphrey Bogart. You know, he's not like faking the romantic. Kind of sad, you know? I don't know. I like it. He's a little gruffier. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, in that one. All right. Uh, and our final deep thoughts question, which is a takeoff of our old game of the mm. week, recast it. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're making this movie, you have Martin Scorsese making the film. Who's playing Rick and who's playing Elsa? Oh, man. Uh, I would, I would, <laughs> couldn't you? I, I feel like I could see. Ryan Gosling as Rick, all yep. right? Because he's okay. got that Blade like, Runner Ryan side to him, yeah. And I think I think they're he's basically the same age as more or less as Humphrey Bogart would have been. And I don't know. Anyway, I think I think he'll be good. Ilsa, I maybe like a Scarlett Johansson type, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, like um, classic Hollywood looks. Like that's yeah, hard to like, right, yeah. right, yeah. All right. Anybody else so, want to take yeah. a stab at I'm, it? I'm going Idris, of course, but if I, it feels right in this role. Mm. I feel like he would do this role very well. And uh, Nicole Kidman. He's almost too good looking for No, Rick. he's not. No, he's yeah, not. Humphrey Bogart was considered <laughs> yeah, like a... Uh, well, he doesn't need to... I Yes, I understand Humphrey Bogart has a face that looks like it was punched with a bag of dimes, but <laughs> yeah. Nichols, Porters, what's, what's the reference? What do you say? So you, you got hit with a bag of something. Coins. Quarters. Coins. Um. Yeah, he's not attractive. What? He's not attractive. I would just cast him Franks. in a more attractive way. <laughs> All right, Jim. How about you? Who Who would you want? I have no idea. Um. Yeah. I. I. I didn't think. All right. About I'm this. going Chris Pine. That's a good one. Then Keller High Water and mm. Rebecca Ferguson. All right. Ilsa. Fel- yes. Fellow Swede <laughs> to Ingrid Bergman. Uh. Anybody have any recommendations? Anything that they've watched, read, eaten that everybody else in the commenter world needs to see or listen to or consume? Ooh. Anything, Jimmy? You've seen recently that you've loved, Katie? Jim? Anything? No? West Wing mm-hmm. season two. Yeah, we're still loving West oh, Wing. Oh, you're still going with the West still Wing. Still loving West Wing. I'm trying Bridgerton. I Alien wants to watch that. Have you watched Virgin River yet? No. Got to watch yourself. Some uh, I do I, have some information. After Jimmy gives us his recommendation, I've got one tidbit before we go. All right, go, Jimmy. 
Oh, well, I, I was just going to say, I just finished rereading uh, Dune, okay? Frank Herbert's Dune, right? So I, which is just great. I mean, I hadn't read it in years. I had, I, I basically, I was like, I had some students reading. I was like, let me, let me just read it with them. Um, I rewatched the old David Lynch movie, which is not good. I was like, yeah, I haven't <laughs> seen that in a while either. But man, guys, I am so pumped for oh, the wait. Denis Villeneuve one. Um, Villeneuve. And, you know, it, yeah. it, it pains me that it's literally Chalamet. finished uh, yeah. sitting on a shelf. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, I'm so excited if we're talking about movies that are almost complete for mm-hmm. In the Heights. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, they are. It is complete. That will be it's out great. June. June. I can't wait. <clears throat> My um, recommendation can I just quickly? Yes. Where the Alex Finch, Humphrey Bogart, White yep. tuxedo jacket with it just makes me. I'm even. I am purchasing that outfit <laughs> you don't know to wear that, at an event. That, that tuxedo jacket was not white. It was like it was like uh, Listen, bright pink. I it, when Keenan has his Halloween wedding and you could dress up like a character. I'm going as Alex Finch. I am 100 percent convinced now and wearing that look. I will wear the Sybil Shepherd look because uh, she looks great in that. And like, I will be Crew Jones. <laughs> I'm red. <laughs> oh, that would be fantastic. Um, um, we have a commenter yeah. with some recommendations. Commenter Kendra is saying Ozark. Jim is still in on Ozark. I'm still catching up. Yeah, still catching up. I'm still uh, catching up on that as well. And Rachel. the classic film, The Sting. Oh, so good. I recently Confessions. Uh, never, never seen, seen that one. Oh, never seen oh, it. Oh, so that's definitely, Jimmy. We'll have you back when we do this. Oh, I'm, I'm happy to talk <clears> about <throat> The Sting. All right, that's so good, <clears throat> Jimmy. The next time you're back, you will actually get to choose the film. We keep oh, bringing okay. you in, but well, you know, wait. There was one. I feel like you put me down for some movie. Oh, now we I were going to watch Face Off, on. weren't we? That's it. Yeah, Face Off. Oh my gosh. I'm going to be. I I can't wait. Classic. You're so in on that. We'll get you. Classic. Uh, All in. All in. All right. Make sure you like, share, subscribe, review, and all those wonderful things. And uh, we will see you next time. All right. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, Bye, commenters. Thanks for joining us. Bye.